Welcome to a Shame and Throne, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's, uh, let's say, best actress for Sandra Bullock of a TV show, uh, Game of Thrones. My name is Doug. Uh, with me, as always, is Brian. Uh, isn't that right, Brian? I like this one a lot. Yeah, we know you like this one a lot, but uh, how are you doing? Uh, you doing okay? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. Uh, so there was some fears that Brian wouldn't be here tonight, but I can assure you he is here. You can hear him. Say hello, Brian. Yeah. Okay, cool. Hi. Um, but we are also joined by Jermaine, show favorite. How are you doing, Jermaine? I am a show favorite. I'm doing good. Doing great. Here to save your good? grits again. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling great. Brian, JVD, and the, uh, that other guy can all kiss my ass because all, right. all they do is hate. Yeah. People people yeah. have very strong opinions about you. You're very divisive. Yeah, I agree. And you and and you don't you don't you corroborate it. I, I, oh, I hate you too. You know what? I I don't want to get involved. It's like you know, I didn't vote for the guy, but uh, you know, I like to stay out of the whole thing. So people hate Brian. <laughs> people hate Jermaine. No big deal. Um. Okay. Words hurt. Words hurt. Yeah. Well, they also they also feel good. Um. Uh. <laughs> let, let's see. Let's see. Brian, are you doing all right? Uh. I mean. Uh, Brian. Yes. Uh. You doing okay? I am. Okay. Good. Could use a little more action. Yeah, I know. All right, we'll say that for later. Okay, uh, so we're doing Breaker <laughs> of Chains. This is uh, season four, episode three, um, and this was written by D and D. That surprise you at all? These Jermaine? nuts. Yep. These. Uh, <laughs> no, it doesn't. There, there's some scenes in this episode that are right out of their uh, ballpark. So um, yeah, we'll we'll address that. That's that's the elephant in the room. So yeah, when we get to it, we'll we'll really lay into it. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. So the uh, episode opens with um, basically immediately following the end of the uh, last episode with uh, Joffrey dead. Uh, Cersei standing over his body calls for Sansa and Tyrion to be held captive or taken captive. Meanwhile, Dantos, the drunk former knight, is escorting uh, Sansa to a dock, then to a rowboat, and then eventually to a big boat with Littlefinger on it. Uh, Littlefinger promptly murders Davos for his loyal service. Uh, this freak stands out, but Littlefinger is trying to teach her uh, that you can only buy a man's silence for a while, but death buys it for life or forever, whatever. One of the, uh, I didn't quote that exactly. Uh, basically, he says Sansa's now safe uh, with him, and he's going to take her home. So, what do you think? Um, as being a... <laughs> What do you think about Littlefinger in general? Jermaine? Me? Yeah. Um, What is going on with you today, buddy? uh, Just real (laughs) quick on the whole episode. I I like, again, because I'm not a regular uh, guest. (laughs) You definitely are a regular uh, person. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, Watching these episodes, you know, out of order and just one at a time, you know, randomly. There were so many things I remembered. Um, first, to start off with jo- Joffrey dead, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this is great. Fuck that guy." Yep. And no. Then, um, absolutely no. Uh, you didn't feel bad for him at all, being a little kid. No. All? Okay. Yeah. Me neither. No, but I just wanted to see. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of parts in this episode that made me remember different aspects of the show that it is now, and uh, we'll get to when we get to those scenes, but. Um, Definitely brought up some some memories and some the way things went later. Uh, I can definitely see it why it happened. Um, this opening scene again was good. Uh, Joffrey's dead, but Tyrion gets fingered for it. Please, um, this is a PG podcast. I, I, I believe that's a, a correct term. Mm, I don't um, know. It depends on how I use it. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I guess uh, it's all. Uh, little- but yeah, but ba- Littlefinger, Littlefinger. Yeah. This this scene. It said to like you know I'm I'm here for you or you're safe with me and all that I'm like bitch no she's not you sent her to the worst thing that ever happens to her and she's just coming from the worst thing and you made it even worse when you sent her off to be with Ramsey but that's true it, it, it's things like that that you, you know you think she's safe but it only gets worse it only gets even more horrible and, that's uh, right it, yeah and you remember Littlefinger like. Uh, you're safe with me, all this bullshit that he says right there. 
And you buy it. At the time you buy it, you're like, man, Santa's finally free. She's away from all this terrible shit. Oh, I, I did not buy that at all. Um, uh, it, well, Sansa doesn't know that Littlefinger is complicit in her father's captivity uh, when he was taken by the Gold Cloaks and also his eventual murder, I guess, by, um, you know, if that follows. So I imagine if she learns about that towards the end uh, or in this, I'm sorry, in the uh, present day, season six, seven, whatever we're on, um, I imagine she's going to want uh, Peter Baelish's head. Yeah. Plus, I mean, she should and just we'll require his head just for what, you know, selling, selling her again uh, to uh, Ramsey. I mean, she'd already been married once to, oh, basically married to Joffrey or been forced to be harassed by him, then married to Tyrion, you know, the brother of the people that killed her family. Um, so yep. she, she hasn't had it. Uh, she hasn't had a good time, let's say. And Littlefinger's been uh, a co- big contributing factor to that. So I can't wait for her to have Peter hopefully murdered if we get what we want, which I don't know if uh, George Martin does that. Gives us what he wants, but give us what gives us what we want, but we'll see. You want you want Peter murdered? Yeah. I don't know if I want him murdered. What, do you want him to win? Whatever that Maybe. means? He's going to defeat uh, the White Walkers on, it, on a dragon of his own? No, but the, you know his chaos is whatever. Chaos as a ladder speech was pretty good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want him. To, he, he he's too good of a character. I don't know if I want him to die. I have to think of him. Yeah, on that. you want him to die like the last episode. That's all. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so let's move on. Um, so we're still in the capital. Lady Olena, uh, aka the Queen of Thorns, and Large Marge discuss Marge's position now that um, you know Joffrey's dead. They're all dressed in mourning uh, gowns. Marge thinks she is cursed because it's the second time she's been widowed in her young life. First, uh, Renly died. Now Joffrey. Um, Elena says that's rubbish and assures her that she will still be queen because, and this was a great quote, our alliance with the Lannisters remains every, every bit as necessary for them as it is unpleasant for us. I thought this was a great line. I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was a good line. Yeah, it was good. You know, this... At this point, I I didn't know who killed Joffrey, and uh, you know it turns out to be her later. But um, you, you don't get any of that feeling that she had any part in it. You know they were they were there bystanders, that kind of stuff. And that was a great line. A- any scene with her is great. She always has great <laughs> stuff to say, and she delivers it so well. Absolutely. But uh, did you say that you don't think she had anything to do with it, or Marge, or? What was your? I'm sorry. The Queen of because the, the Queen of Thorns is the one who did it, right? But yeah, but I, you don't get that feeling. You yeah, don't get that feeling right now, right? She well, she's masterful at playing the game, so she's not letting it off yeah. even to Marjorie. You know, even though she said something like, you know, however worse off you are now, it's better than being married to that monster or whatever. So she's letting her card show that she didn't like him, which is you know incriminating. But uh, you're right; she doesn't act guilty at all. Yep. Cold-blooded. Okay. Cold-blooded. Is that a song? I'm pretty sure it's like... <laughs> maybe you're thinking of cold-hearted snake. Look into his eyes. <laughs> That's a real song. I don't know what you were singing. Anyway, um, yeah. later, uh, Tommen and Cersei hold vigil over Joffrey uh, when Tywin arrives and starts giving uh, Tommen, who's Joffrey's little brother and now king, uh, some sage advice. <laughs> Basically giving him a, a, a life lesson there. Uh, Cersei thinks it's inappropriate, but Tywin just bulldozes her. Um, Tommen guesses what is the best virtue in a king, and, uh, Tywin shits on each one until uh, Tommen arrives on the right one, which is wisdom, uh, and, which basically is a long way of saying trusting his advisors, which is trusting Tywin, aka letting Tywin just do all the ruling for him. Um, that's what he wants. Um, Tywin continues to lecture Tommen as they leave the Sept, Jamie arrives and asks to be left alone with Cersei. Cersei uh, says she knows it was Tyrion and says that he threatened to uh, turn, quote, her joy to her, have her joy turned to ashes in her mouth. Uh, she wants vengeance, but Jamie is a little bit uh, hesitant and is content to rely on the truth that comes out in the trial. Uh, Cersei's not down with that. She's also distraught. And to comfort her, Jamie begins kissing her. She pulls away. Jamie curses her as a hateful woman. And how he's cursed to hit to love a hateful woman, and proceeds to very clearly rape her. Um, when she protests that this isn't right, Jamie replies, "I don't care, I don't care, I don't care." Uh, yeah, this is awful. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a good line. You, you saw rape there? <laughs> you, had to, you had to be looking for it close. <laughs> yeah, the the first part of this scene where you know he's grilling uh, Tommen on the on the stuff, um, you know the the virtues of a king. Um, I guess that whole angle was just to say, listen to your advisors, and oh, by the way, I'm your advisor, right. and I'm going to tell you what to do. Um, it seemed long though, the didn't end, it? it yeah, like it dragged out for a while. Yeah, I guess it gave you a little history of some of the other kings and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, like, in do, that you rem- do you remember sense, one of those kings? Pious. That pious is a, a virtue, but what king was that? The king eighth. Yeah, see, you don't, you don't know. So yeah. there was a wasted. If it was a history lesson to teach us history, it failed. Um, one guy got killed by his brother. One guy, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But then the second half of this scene, you know, when I first saw this episode, it was a little cringeworthy. Like, what's going on? This second time viewing it, I was just like, oh, this is fucking awful. Right. This is what? What is this? Right. I, I don't. Yeah, it had it didn't fit. Jamie's character nope. at all. Nope. Like, so let's let's uh, yeah. let's. Uh, so I uh, to to dispel what happened. If there's any confusion, if you haven't read the books, and I hope you did, because this is uh, from a book reader's perspective, I'm going to quote the books directly, and it's not very long. So here it is. How? how and by the way, the backstory is Jamie arrives too late. Jamie arrives after Joffrey's death. Um. So this is when they either when they first see each other, or he just got to town. So they've been separated for a long time. So here it is. <clears throat> She kissed him, a light kiss, the merest brush of her lips on his, but he could feel her tremble as he slid his arms around her. I am not whole without you. There was no tenderness in the kiss he returned to her, only hunger. Her mouth opened for his tongue. No, she said weakly. Uh, His lips moved down to her neck. Not here. The septums. Uh, The others take the septums. He kissed her again, kissed her silent, kissed her until she moaned. That's a little bit of consent right there. Okay. Uh, then he knocked the candles aside and lifted her up, up onto the mother's altar, pushing up her skirts and the silken shift beneath. Uh, she pounded on his chest with feeble fists, murmuring about the risk, the danger, about their father, about the septons, about the wrath of the gods. He never heard her. He undid her britches and climbed up and pushed her bare white legs apart. One hand slid up her thigh and underneath her small clothes, when he tore them away, he saw that her moon's blood was on her, uh, but it made no difference. Thank God they didn't show that. Yeah. Then she says, hurry, she was whispering now. Quickly, quickly, now, do it now, do me now, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. Her hands helped guide him inside, or guide him, uh, yes, Jamie said as he thrust, my brother, sweet yeah. brother, yes, like that, yes, I have you, yeah. you're home now, you're home now, you're home. Why the fuck didn't D&D put this consent at the end sure you can still uh like say it's in the gray area jamie was being very forceful but and she relented uh and i don't know about the ethics of that but that's still so much better than just fucking what was on screen here uh and the go back that, keep reading i'm almost there keep reading <laughs> but the fact that they try to defend it say like oh you know we were surprised that you know people thought it was no these th- you're a monster yeah like I forgive a lot of stupid stuff that happens on this show uh, when it comes to like the sex and violence, whatever, because it's a fake world and that's really what it's supposed to be. Brian doesn't necessarily have those views because he's a douche. Um, no, no. But th- yeah, I mean, this was just. It was so bad. It would. I have no. I can't defend it in any way. Uh, I wasn't a book reader, so I don't know the details, but you just gave that. And at least, yeah, there's. It's wanted in there, you know, in the right. book part of it. This this is just, it's just gross. Right. And I don't know what this does. Like, if I'm trying to think of it from a narrow, like a narrative standpoint, already it's dividing, it's diverging from Jamie's path. And, and in the books and in, even in the show at the first part, uh, this is a Doug rant that's pretty classic. Uh, Jamie no, is being no. set up for a redemption arc in which he's, yep. Brienne is making him a better person. And he wants to be honoring or honor honorific. Or honor stupendous, whatever it is. But he wants to be a, he wants to be like a straight up uh, good guy now, or at least a better person. He wants to better himself. Yeah. And this just flies in the face of that. So I don't know what the showrunners were thinking. And I think it's even more of a problem with they don't get um, the source material. 
I mean, um, George R. R. Martin doesn't show. I mean, there is rape kind of on screen, if by on screen in a book, you know what I mean, uh, like around him. But like none of the main characters, I think, engage in rape or are victims of rape, uh, like we get with Sansa later in season five, I think it is. And it's just so fucking disturbing. Like uh, we all know that, yes, in the real world, and probably more, uh, more so in the past. Rape was a very serious and severe issue that, you know, all women were, uh, you know, probably lived in constant fear of, uh, especially back then. Obviously, this is uh, fantasy times, but still, it's just uh, fucking gross to portray it like this. I don't know. Yeah. It's just very yeah, upsetting. It, very strange decision on the whole part, especially when you just read verbatim, like, how it's in the book. None of that is in this scene. Well, you, other well, than you the, can tell it's Other than the two characters and, like, the septum. That was it. Well, plus you can, but you can tell it's aggressive on Jamie's part. Um, but like I said, yeah. I think I think her her relenting to his, and once again, that's not probably not the best, you know, to be, you know, I kissed her until she was into it. But um, yeah, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to say here? I'm saying that that's at least that's <laughs> at least not as because they have a fucked up relationship. I mean, she's like, yeah, she just said, yes, oh yeah, and their brother, brother and sister. I forgot about yeah, that. Yes, sweet sweet brother, do me, do me, or whatever she was saying. Um, <clears throat> So let's move on. But I remember this is this is one of the reasons why we call this uh, Ashamed of Thrones, and this is why we're ashamed of the show. Uh, you know, the fucking nonstop and gratuitous and needless sexual violence. What What about Brian? Uh, Brian, what do you have to say? I like this one a lot. Gross. <laughs> he said he liked this one a lot. I don't know if you can hear him. Um, so uh, let's move on, unless you have anything else to say. No, let's go. Okay, the Hound is taking a piss while uh, Arya wander, wonders where they're going. Uh, they argue about the best way to get to the Eerie and then Sandor, um, what he will do once he gets rid of Arya. Uh, they are chanced upon by a villager and his daughter. Sandor is a dick, but Arya does some damage control and they get a meal and a dry place to stay for the night, uh, by lying about the fact that, uh, Sandor fought with the Tullys or for the Tullys. Later, there is some light blasphemy at the dinner table (laughs) and then... Uh, the group yeah. talk about the red wedding and how the phrase are damned, uh, and they're uh, how th- that the guys' lands are now lawless, uh, and that wouldn't it be so if um, the Tullys were still in power. Uh, the villager asks Sandor if he wants to stick around to provide labor and protection uh, for some wages. Sandor agrees, but later when Arya is sleeping, she's woken by screams and raised voices. Sandor has bludgeoned the old man and taken his silver, uh, and is leaving. Arya accuses Sandor of being a thief, and he counters that uh, they would have died anyway by winter. So uh, it's no big deal because they would have been dead anyway. Basically, he just tells her to grow up, and then they cut away, which obviously doesn't leave us with a better, a good taste in our mouth either. Like, yeah. that, the Hound isn't a good person, but like to leave it like that with not like with Arya not making amends for it or stopping him or anything, just is like okay, well the Hound's just a piece of shit too now. Yeah. Uh, first, there's a lot of pissing in this episode. I oh, just I wrote it too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna get count. That's the first one. <laughs> a lot of pee. A lot of pee. Yeah. Uh, you know, in this day and age, it seems to be cool to do that. So, um, I think it's just D and D. I think they have a thing for peeing and sexual violence. <laughs> Jesus, I can't imagine yeah. the pornography they watch. Ugh. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh, Good scene. The, their back and forth as well is like th- these two are a good combo, and all the conversations they have are pretty good. Um, I like uh, it, uh, it shows some of the smarts Arya has when she, you know, he's like, "What house did you fight for?" And she figured it out yeah. and said the right thing. Um, and uh, the dinner table when they're both just waiting for their prayers to go on and on, and it, the, uh, the hound just eats like literally just pouring shit down his face. <laughs> At the end of that scene, there's just like a table's just full of like soup and carrots and potatoes. It's just a, a mess, and I'm like, <laughs> if you're that hungry, you may want to you know eat a little bit better, get some of that more in your in your body. But that was hilarious. And then it was a surprise. I guess it shouldn't be, but watching it again after a while, like when he just punched the guy and took his money, you're like, God damn it! Do you ever do anything that's not a dick move? So, but I, I get it. Yes. Yeah. So I didn't have time to pull it from the books, but uh, at one point, he and Arya do stop at a village, and he was like a lumberjack for a little bit. Uh, but he did do fair work for fair pay. 
the people just got tired of like once like things got safer, they just wanted him to leave because they knew yeah. he, they were afraid of him. But he didn't. Uh, he did rob some people with an IOU. He basically gave an IOU to cross a river. But I don't think he ever just straight up uh, stole from anybody like this. So, like I said, I don't know what this does besides set up Arya as being not as ruthless as the Hound uh, by comparison. Um, I yeah. guess that's what they're going for. Like Arya is willing to kill people, but she still has some kind of moral code here or ethics when it comes to uh, you know guest rights and all that bullshit. Um, but it just ruins. It it kind of puts a takes a shine off of Sandor's character in the show, which is a shame. And I do like her line right at the end of that. She's like, you're just the fucking worst or whatever she said. <laughs> I believe that's exactly what, no, I don't know what she yeah. said, but yeah, that's the sentiment. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I, I I think it was just a, like, even the, I could have been okay with the scene, at least if Arya would have somehow, like, talked him into, like, giving back half his money or something. I don't know. I could have made it better somehow. Uh, it just, it just yeah. left me with a shitty taste in my mouth uh, for Sandor. Okay. Then we go back up to the wall, or up to the wall for the first time. Uh, Jano Slint and Alistair Thorne are counting the rapists for some reason. Uh, anyway, Sam walks by, um, and they give him shit. You, you don't, you don't do that. Rapist, rapist, <laughs> murder, rapist. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, when I'm watching the Academy Awards later tonight, maybe I'll do that. Um, <laughs> so uh, uh, Sam uh, gets shit from this crew. Uh, Slint and Alistair Thorne about how they don't believe he killed a White Walker and calling basically Gilly a whore for no reason besides she's a woman. So, yeah, I guess that fits. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Sam um, finds Gilly uh, in the, the whatever uh, mess hall, I guess, and uh, he's worried about her um, being in a place full of rapists and rapers or whatever. Uh, you know, we were just counting them. So it's not a good place for Gilly. Um, but Gilly's taken aback and he's, and she's like, well, what about you? Basically asking if Sam wants to hit it, but Sam doesn't get the gist. He's like, I want you to be safe. And he says, you'll be safest in Molestown, which is the small town just south of the wall that the, um, Night's Watch men go off to, uh, basically have sex with prostitutes. Um, and everybody's cool with it because, you know, otherwise they'd, uh, I guess be angrier and more sullen than they already are. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. Gilly is offended by the suggestion and she sulks away. Sam has a great neck beard. Yep. Um, yeah, you know, I don't like, I'm just starting to realize now how much there's just rape in this whole episode. <laughs> And he's like, rape, 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 rape. And Sam's like, you can't stay here because you're going to get raped by a hundred men. Yep. And it's just, um, I think D and D makes an attempt like to pluck a chicken, which up. was pretty funny. They were very coked up when they read, when they wrote this script, I think. Could be. But, uh, yeah, um, it's just, yeah, 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 it's a threat of more, a threat of sexual violence. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Sam is rightfully concerned about this. I mean, because yes, he yeah. is, it, she's the only woman there in any situation. It's not, you know, if you were on a submarine with a bunch of dudes and you're the only girl, it's not a good situation. But if you're on a submarine with a bunch of dudes who were already uh, accused of rape, that's not a good place. <laughs> yeah, that's, Eva. that's an even worse submarine. <laughs> yeah, imagine oh, if it no. had screen doors on it. I mean, it'd be even worse. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I guess I understand Sam's... Um, uh, am I and am and am I wrong with when Gilly? Because Sam's like everybody wants to you know have sex with you, and she's like, "What about you?" That was a come yeah. on, right? Yeah, she was looking for him to say something, and he, he was he almost did, but he you know he chokes up on his neck beard, I guess. Well, she's looking for him not only to 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 protect her as well, but not by protecting her by sending her away. Um, so yeah. He's he's like, well, you know, you're going to be here and you're going to be with me and I'm never going to let anything happen to you. I think that's what she was looking for. But obviously, that's not Sam's deal. Yeah. Okay. Brian, what do you think of Sam's neck beard? Uh, let's see. No, no. He said no. He doesn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. What an idiot. Okay. He likes it. So on uh, Dragonstone, Stannis is, um, tells Davos of Joffrey's death and he's all pissed off because now he believes that all the leech blood sacrifice worked and he wish he had more king's blood. Uh, from Gendry and Davos let him go. Um, 
I refer to Gendry going forward as uh, the blood bag, like in Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, that's what he is. Uh, he's valued for his blood. Um, Davos uh, recommends going um, east and getting sellswords. He mentions the Golden Company in particular, which is a band of sellswords founded by exiled uh, Targaryen bastards. Um, it's a cool little nod to the book readers, I guess. Uh, Stannis continues to bitch about their current situation, how bad it is. Um, later, Shireen gives Davos shit for arriving late to their reading lesson. Shireen recommends a book about Bravos, and that's when Davos gets the brainwave to approach the Iron Bank of Bravos and uh, ask them for money um, to fund, I guess, the uh, their comeback uh, album. Uh, and then uh, he asks this child to draft an official document for him yeah. <laughs> to send to the bank. Uh, so this, what do you think? This scene, yeah, this scene, you know, as I watched it again, it's, you know, how committed Stannis was to this prophecy and all the things that happened. And, you know, it's just all shit and it goes downhill and he's still like gung ho about it. And then, well, it's, a, it's a an nice odd moment. coincidence that, you know, she did burn three leeches, uh, one for Robert, uh, of Rob Stark, one for Joffrey and one for Balon. Who does die eventually, even though the show prolongs it until, like, season six. Yeah. So you got to think she has some power, but some people uh, theorize that it's just the power to see things, uh, or see the future, not actually do anything about it. Hey, she had a smoke vagina monster, remember? So I, yeah. I was sold on her ability at that point. Yeah, but we don't know the bounds of We don't know, because in the, in the book, we get a... We get a, a actual first-person narration, one chapter from her, and she does use like special smoke and mirrors. Uh, so, she, so some of her power is all lies. Um, so and she's not all powerful. I don't know, but she has power, right? So I think that's yeah. and Santa seems to be very pragmatic. Like I feel like he converted just because, hey, this woman's got magic; she can help me win. I think that's it. And now that yeah. he knows that. The magic is real, or it's perceived to be real after uh, Joffrey's death. Uh, he's all about it. Yeah. And then the the one I, I don't know. I guess it's a redeeming part of this whole episode is when uh, Davos is with Shireen. You know, he gives her a kiss on the forehead, and everybody else is terrified about that girl. And he's like, "Do you think he wiped his mouth know, I, on his sleeve when he <laughs> left?" Right after, yes, without a doubt, he. Uh, <laughs> Used a sanitary wipe and wiped his whole face. But no, I mean, it was just a nice, like, he, and it makes what happens later in the season just, like, even more brutal. Um, but yeah, yeah that, I thought that was a good part. Yeah, you get to see more of a father-daughter relationship between Davos and Shireen than you do out of Stannis and Shireen, so that's sad. Yeah. So he was a surrogate for her. All right, um... In happier news, Sam and Gilly arrive in Molestown, whose main export <laughs> appears to be gonorrhea. And uh, <laughs> Sam procures her a job cooking and cleaning in a whorehouse, uh, even though the, the maid of honor or whatever, <laughs> yeah, maid of honor, that's what they call the, uh, <laughs> yeah, the boss. I, I think that's, yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> at, at the wedding, the maid of honor and whorehouse mistress. <laughs> well, anyway, the boss of Sam. the whorehouse was like, are you sure we can, she can make money? You'll get a cut. <laughs> and Sam's pretty... Uh, vehemently, the uh, vehement that he wants her to just cook and clean. That's it. Um, so it's just it's weird. It's like out of the frying pan into the fire. Like I don't want my girlfriend to be raped, so let me take her to a place where men are used to having sex with anybody they want uh, and are probably it's, drunk. Yeah, hide in plain sight is that the thing? Or? I guess, but like it's still dangerous. Like I feel like have her go somewhere. I mean, I don't, I don't know where else she could go, but it doesn't. If you're worried about sexual violence, don't go to a whore. Don't don't be in a whorehouse because you know one guy's gonna be. I want you. Well, I'm not for sale. Everybody's for sale. You know, <laughs> it's it, it, like something you've said before. This is I'm just yeah. This is me. Just <laughs> no, this is something Brian said, and I was there. But um, I I I've heard him say it. Uh, but but uh, yeah, Gil uh, Gilly just gives Sam crap. Um, pissed at him, saying that this is not what's best for her. This is what's best for Sam. Um, and I guess that's a that's true. But like, I don't know. I don't know what would be best for Gilly. 
Uh, yeah. Um, I think this is like 10% better than where she was. Well, maybe Agreed. a little bit more percent because yeah, you're right. she's I, not surrounded by a hundred dudes. At least there's a whole bunch of women here that are having sex and she won't necessarily have to be the one, the only one there. Right. By the way, I'm, I'm 90% sure when Gilly walks into the back room to see where she's going to be, <laughs> the lady is washing out condoms. Yeah, that's what uh, Brian said to me earlier. Um, isn't that right? Yeah. Of course he would. Yeah, he noticed it. He yeah. said, I'm pretty sure she's washing out condoms. And I didn't have a chance to go back and wa- and watch it, but what did they look like? I mean, this is medieval it was like is she, Yeah, it, you know, and I was like, I, I stopped for a second. I'm like, did she just, is is that? Because I'm, I, what is she doing in a, in a in a whorehouse? And then I, it was like a, a condom tied to the uh, the end of a PVC pipe. And she was like pour, filling it with water and then turning it around and dumping it out. So like washing that's out just, all the That's fucking weird. And is that what Gilly, is that the type of work Gilly's going to have to do? That's fucked up. Because it's, it's a safer place to be. Uh, yeah, I but guess. But like, again, that, de- that detail to be in this scene. Yeah, why? I'm like, who, who's the set designer and prop designer and going like, hey, we can make uh, this girl wash out medieval time <laughs> condoms. You want to do that? Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we could just have her making bread because people have to make their own food and shit and uh, survive. No, <laughs> no, no, let's uh, condoms, sheep condoms, let's whatever. Condoms. That's so fucking stupid. I'm gonna have to go back and watch it. Uh, but yeah, uh, you're not the first person to mention that. So that's weird. Okay, uh, we go back to King's Landing and in a small private orgy, Oberon is relating his sexual or bisexual philosophy to um, Olivar, I think, um, in a bed full of like I don't know five six people including his mistress um, or paramour, Ilaria Sand. Uh, there's just a lot of drivel talk until Tywin arrives, um, and he busts up the party. Tywin asks Oberyn's intentions for being at King's Landing, uh, and if he has any involvement in Joffrey's death because of the poisoning. Uh, Oberyn asks about his sister's death in turn and what happened to her and who was responsible for that. Uh, Tywin categorically denies he had anything to do with it and offers up the mountain the guy who actually pulled the trigger in her death uh and rape and death of her kids uh to satiate the viper's need for vengeance as long as Oberyn agrees to serve as a judge during Tyrion's trial and sit on the small council uh Tywin also basically says they need Dorne um to be a complete whole kingdom and if Danny which he mentions as a very real threat should choose to head to Westeros they're going to need uh, Dorne in the future. Um, great scene. I loved it. Uh, again, anything with Charles Dance is awesome. And uh, the my favorite part when he's like, would you like a seat? And he like, he's like... Yeah, he looks at the bed. He's like, pat- uh, no. <laughs> yeah, pat- patting the, the jizz bed. Hey, yeah. come sit down. I thought the same Stock. thing. I think Tywin would like break out a, a black light and go, okay, there's a spot here with not that much jizz on it. I'm going to just <laughs> yeah. sit here. Um, but it was good. You got a little history lesson. You got some, you know, talk about the different parts of Westeros. And as just a show watcher, it's nice to get those little tidbits every so often. Um, but the back and forth between them. And you could see Tywin was saying, hey, did you kill my son? He's like, and Oberon was like, if you're saying that I'm responsible for this and you're responsible for my wife dying, all you know, they're kind of this right. back and forth on responsibility and who's doing what. So it's a cool scene. Uh, they both try to deflect, but it, you know, it resulted, I guess they had a resolution at the end. You never actually see them shake hands. So you yeah, don't know. But you, it, it is hinted that they come to an agreement. So uh, I really think that Oberon was there to kill everybody. Um, and he just got stopped by getting killed by the mountain himself. I think he did poison Tywin, um, uh, but Tyrion killed Tywin before he could die um, because that explains why uh, Tywin was on the shitter so much and how his body stinks. They didn't cover this in the show, so I don't think it's even a plot point in the show, but uh, I think Oberyn was there to slowly kill everybody, all the Lannisters. Including, I would agree. <laughs> I think he would have killed uh, Tyrion eventually, um, if only to, you know... To pay uh, Tywin back in kind, uh, you know. Kill yeah, they're all kid. complicit. Yep. Uh, so I'm I'm upset that Viper disappears towards the end of the season, but uh, 
because I like him and I, I like the guy who plays him, but I feel like this orgy was just, um, I don't know, uh, there for just the great. T- <laughs> yeah, it was terrific. No, it was just there to fill the TA quota, uh, TNA quota and the B, I guess, for the butts. Like uh, Tina and some dicks from... and some dicks. Were there Shout dicks? out to the lady. There you go. Yeah, yeah there was a... there or, our guys, you know, and we get some more dick later when we get to the peeing part. So that'll be great for the ladies. That's what ladies like seeing dicks peeing. Brian, 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 what did Brian think about it? Let's see. I, th- I thought it was great from top to he bottom. It's it. captivating to me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I thought um, it was really good. Uh, still in King's Landing, Podrick arrives in Tyrion's cell. Podrick says he knows Tyrion had nothing to do with Joffrey's death and relates the comings and goings of the outside world, Tyrion, um, since he's been taken prisoner. Tyrion makes reference to the ominous they, which I liked. Um, who do you mean they? They! Uh, so he's getting paranoid. Obviously he should be. It looks pretty dire, uh, for the half-man. Uh, Podrick confesses that he was, uh, offered a bribe to testify against Tyrion, but he refused. Uh, but in a very like transparent act of whitewashing, Tyrion's gives a self righteous speech about how no, I would rather walk to the gallows uh, than have you put your life at risk to save me, Podrick, which is just like dumb. Um, um, but he does recommend uh, Pod get the fuck out of Dodge while he still can. Um, and they leave like that. And uh, he's told uh, Podrick to reach out to his brother, Jamie. Why didn't you like him uh, telling Podrick to leave? I, I just thought it was too cheesy. I thought it would have been like, no, okay. Podrick, that's stupid. I give you that. I, it it would have been like, Podrick, that's the stupidest thing. I'm not worth it. That would have been good. And I think that would have been within character. But that's like, <clears throat> no, Podrick, I would rather suffer like <laughs> being drawn <laughs> a million than deaths. have you. You know, it's, it's fucking stupid. Uh, it's just trying to make Tyrion like uh, a white knight, I think. Um, yeah. And he's not. He should be a great character. Uh, you know, he's just a guy who's been falsely accused. I don't need anything more than that to be on his side. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you like... Pod's a good guy. You like Pod. And Pod and Tyrion together are pretty funny. And, uh, you know, Pod's always had his back. And I wouldn't expect him to take the knighthood or anything like that. So I think Tyrion realizes that and that's, you know, get out of town. Nothing good's going to come from this for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true to their relationship, I guess. It's just, uh, that was the one part of the scene I didn't like. Um, yeah, not much to say here. Just Joffrey or Ty, uh, what's his name? Tyrion. He's locked up. That's it. Podrick's bringing him a little bit of news. I won't let him out. Okay. So now we have the funniest part of the episode. Um, there's an idyllic farm scene straight out of like the Shire. Uh, in which uh, the height of an individual's achievement is how well they can boil a potato. And <laughs> shit, I'd be king of that village. <laughs> Nobody boils a potato like your mom. Um, is what some guy says before an arrow is driven into the back of his head by our favorite redhead, um, Egret. Uh, the wildlings, the rest of the wildlings, what, descend what? and murder everybody. Uh, the child whose dad got killed uh, in the very first attack, cowers under a wagon before he's discovered and told to head to Castle Black by some thens. Um, but before he leaves, he tells the boy that he's going to eat his mommy and his daddy, um, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> let's stop there. And he does end up at Castle Black, but let's stop there. Um, yeah, I feel like they're trying to make the thens the bad guys. But, like, Egret and Tormund killed a whole bunch of mommies and daddies, too. They're just not going to eat the bodies afterwards. I don't give a fuck if you eat my mommy and daddy's body. You fucking killed them. I'm not going to be, like, yeah. more upset by, oh, right, wait a minute, you did kill my mom? Okay, that's fucked up, but are, you're not going to eat her, are you? Okay, we're good then. Fuck <laughs> that shit. <laughs> it's just a stupid idea. Um, and it's it's over the top. It's fucking ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, th- I mean... Th- Good stuff. You know, this is what the show is about. Crazy shit like this. But dude, this scene brought so many conflicting feelings to me because when when you're with Ollie later in the seasons and he does his bullshit, his dick moves and all that stuff, you're like, God, Ollie's a piece of shit. Seeing this again, I was like, God, I can't hate this kid. He was like, 
I understand where he comes from. I understand his feelings. I understand everything he did now. As much as you hate it, as much as him killing Egret and stabbing Jon Snow, all this awful stuff he did that made you hate him. And when he hung, you were like, good, good riddance. Yeah. But watching this scene again, I was like, holy shit, man. He saw some awful, they did awful shit to him. All these people you like, Egret and Tormund. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's Egret. So, like, uh, you know, he's talking, you know, all these later, years later. Talking to John, like, hey, you're really going to let all the wildlings south of the wall? Yeah. Well, why? Well, you know that girl that shot your dad in the head with an arrow? Yeah. Well, we used to finger bang, so I'm on their side now. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, I would exactly. want John dead, too. For sure. It, yeah, I, I, I just, I, like, I re-justified or justified everything he did four, three seasons later. I'm like, I get it. You know what? Good on you. Good on you, Ollie. I agree. Um, so I guess it makes us conflicted. I mean, I still hate him because he's obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, this scene, it, I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal. And, and again, at the time, you're just watching it and you're like, oh, so kid running away. And then all the stuff he does later. But it made me feel OK of what he did yeah, in the later. Season. It was justified. Even though I didn't like it. I get it. Yep, get yeah. it. All right, so uh, later, he, uh, the kid, Ollie, arrives at Castle Black, uh, and he brings word that the wildlings are on their side of the wall, and there's an argument about what to do about it. Uh, it is decided, with the help of John, not to go attack the wildlings. Another reason why probably Ollie's pissed at John. He thinks that their best bet is to remain at Castle Black and fortify the wall against Mance instead of uh, going to take out the people that just killed this kid's parents and <laughs> are going to eat them. Um, so yeah, Ollie's totally justified. Uh, Dolores and Gren arrive, uh, straight from, uh, Craster's Keep and relate that it is taken over by Mutineers. Um, and wasn't there a sports team named the Mutineers or the Mutiny? Was it the Mutiny? It was the Tampa Bay Mutiny. That's it. I I think the Mutineers are a great fucking name for a, a, a sports team because, like, they show, like, no loyalty. Like, it's just, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It's a, uh, yeah, the fact that uh, it were Major League Soccer, right? Yes. Yeah, the fact that the team was called the Mutiny is great. Uh, anyway, John says that they must kill the men at Craster's, uh, and that sounds crazy because he just said not to pursue the Wildlings, but the people at Craster's, uh, they will eventually get overtaken by uh, Mance and his army. And they will spill the beans about how few people are left at Castle Black. And if Mance knows how few people there are, he'll probably attack immediately uh, and overrun them quite easily at the wall. <sighs> so this is all just drudged up to have this weird bullshit scene where John goes to clear out Caster's cr- creep. And I think he sees Bran at the same time. Or Bran sees him. It's dumb. Um, oh, in like a later episode? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they they do Alistair does do the one thing, oh, you're the man of the people, what do you think, John? You know, just yeah. the, the constant But then he constant but then he stands down. by his recommendation. He doesn't give him shit and just go against him to go against them. So I don't understand that. Yeah, he gets it. Well, I mean, I guess he realizes, oh, yeah, if they don't if they know there's only a hundred of us, then yeah, we're getting taken over pretty soon. So Yeah, he gets it. So I don't know, not much to say. Like I said, I think it's setting up the the scene where John goes to Craster's. Um, yep. All right, so let's move on. Uh, Danny arrives at the gates of Marine. She is greeted by the wise masters or the good masters, whichever masters these are, uh, on the walls of the city. Uh, they send out a single champion to engage somebody in uh, single combat. The guy pulls out his dick and pisses. So that's the second piss <laughs> scene we get. Um, an un- undercock shot. Don't sell it short. Yeah, it's an it's, undercock. So it's something for the ladies. You don't get that very often, or ever have I ever seen that. So no, good, know, good perspective. Yeah, you know, how women like constantly are looking upskirts to men pissing because <laughs> they love it so much. There's, there's all those women up pant videos. Yep, I've seen them. Pre, yeah. Anyway, uh, the champion mocks. <laughs> you them. filmed them. Yep. <laughs> well, it's good money. Uh, <laughs> we see a second. Um, uh, it's the second man we see the pissing this episode. Sorry, I said that. Uh, Danny reasons that uh, somebody has to go uh, engage this guy, but she doesn't want to 
do any send anybody who's of any value, so she sends Dario. The least valuable, and he's the fucking new guy. So send him out. Um, Dario is supremely confident and lets the guy get a chance to ride his horse down on him. Uh, and he just simply throws a dagger at the horse's eye. The guy, the horse falls over, the guy's on the ground, and Dario chops his head off. And then Dario pulls out his dick and pisses. So that's three. <laughs> Danny this is literally, <laughs> what is this, a pissing contest? There, uh, yes. There you go. Uh, Danny addresses the slaves of the city directly, bypassing the masters. Uh, says they can be free um, with her. Um, and basically the enemies are not uh, beyond their gates, but within them. And she calls for catapults to shoot barrels full of empty chains um, as an elaborate PR stunt. Uh, and I just thought this was fucking stupid as well. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it is a PR stunt. This is like, like the, I don't know, like showing up somewhere with t-shirt cannon and saying, vote for me. And then start shooting like t-shirts into the crowd. People go, yeah, I don't know. It seems crazy. It's a propaganda machine. Right. Uh, and I, and this when was, you, when you, you fly over invention. places and they drop leaflets everywhere. I mean, this has been done throughout war. This is, this is, it yeah. happens. Yeah, it happens, but I, I thought it was, I don't know, I thought it was extra showy, and uh, I guess I'm just overly critical about show invention stuff, especially when it doesn't uh, do much. You know, this is the daily, uh, we're checking in on Danny um, every episode. Progress of this story. Yeah. yeah. And it's not, you know, nothing really is happening. She's just slowly progressing to take this city. Uh, and I have no, I don't know. What's your because you were a show watcher only? What is your perspective about Danny and and especially this plot line where she's in Slavers Bay, um, slowly conquering each city? I'm fine with it. You know, it's it's interesting, but the four seasons that it takes to get out of fucking Marine is just yep. brutal. After after this, up to this point, it's been cool. Oh, you know, you visit these interesting Yunkai and Astapor, and now you have Marine and it's got temples. You're like, oh, cool place. If I had known we we're going to fucking stay there for a hundred more episodes, it's like, Jesus Christ. Can you Christ, imagine can you a figure... thousand pages in a book with people's names like Raznak, Mo Raznak? And... <laughs> <laughs> it sounds amazing. Yeah, you should read it. Uh, it's a, uh, yeah, like up until this point, it was great. But when we stick at Marine for like two or three seasons, whatever it was, it just got brutal. And like, what's Danny doing today? Let's. No, we're going to keep the slaves free. Everybody's going to be free. Oh, they're coming back. We have to fight over here again. Oh, our ships are, in, you know, just over and over. It yeah, just... it seems very repetitive. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not that in, uh, engaged with it. I, I did like um, her taking the first town, the Astapor, with the dirty trick by, uh, you know, selling the dragon who can't be sold, and then having <laughs> taking control of the slave fire. army and having the slave army kill the masters. Before them understanding yeah. that they were free, um, I thought it was a dirty, underhanded trick, but I also appreciated that. That was great. Uh, but yeah, Marine, it's just there's just too much going on here. Same, you want her to just get to Westeros. I understand that. Okay, but so it, you know, a little good action, a lot of peeing. Um, the the you're too important, you're too important, you're too important. Okay, yeah. you can go die. Yeah, Th- that was. You know, it was some levity. It was fun. I agree. Um, this role was taken by... Did, uh, sorry, go ahead. When he just cut off his head, we just cut off his head and then peed on the ground, that was pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah, you know. Stupid. I chuckled. <laughs> it was... I guess it was funny for how ridiculous it was. But what I don't like yeah. about this is the this guy, this uh, scene was uh, a character called Fat Belwas or Strong Belwas. It was just a big, fat eunuch. Who uh, who was a badass? Like he was basically Andre the Giant. Uh, would drink, you know, like a full barrel of beer, let himself get cut by the opponent one time before he killed them. Um, so it's just a big fat guy who was a badass. So I thought we could have used that on a TV show, but uh, guess they wanted to make it fuckable Dario. So I guess yeah. that's what we get. All right, so uh, let's put a number on this. I'm gonna give it uh, one and a half stars. I thought it was awful. <laughs> Again, as I am watching these piecemeal um i thought it was entertaining the uh, this episode gave me more flashbacks and more nostalgia as opposed to being great in itself because all i could think about was holly and um oberin and uh all these different parts 
So it's and, not so much uh, the episode you enjoyed. It was like this trip down memory lane with all these storylines. Yeah, like it brought back all these different memories and feelings and stuff I had. So, but it wasn't terrible to me. I'll give it two and a half. Two and a half. That's pretty good. It was run of the mill. All right. That's going to even out to a 2.0 uh, episode. Uh, so not the best, but not the worst. Um, all right. So I got to thank you. Uh, Brian's been awfully quiet. I don't know what's going on with him. What is going on with you today, buddy? For that? I don't know what he's go- what's going on with him. Uh, but um, uh, what what's your rating, pizza sandwich? No, no. No? Okay, well, we'll figure it out. Anyway, uh, Jermaine, thank you for bailing us out uh, and showing up, um, even if it is piecemeal. I know you have a heart out. you got to watch The Walking Dead for uh, another podcast tomorrow. What's the name of the podcast? The Shameful Dead. Oh, okay. And uh, what do you guys do there? Uh, me and this other gentleman, we discuss the the previous episode of The Walking Dead and give it very in-depth and introspective feedback. <laughs> very informed and enlightened <laughs> yeah. feedback, yes. All right, so guys, and talk about boners out. and stuff. Yeah, bone zombie boners. Rigor Mortis has said it on this one, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that's uh, the Shameful Dead that'll be out uh, same day as this, Tuesdays, uh, at least while Walking Dead's going on. Uh, so thank you very much, Jermaine, for showing up. And uh, everybody else, we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. Thanks, everybody. I've got a dragon. Give me some yeah. 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 I'm just going to do a stupid thing about my eating thing. I don't remember asking on the menu.